name is David Vardabini, and thanks so much for tuning in to Get Real Sobriety. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Get Real Sobriety. I'm back here with, I'm really excited about, Samantha Matern. And uh, um, she was our very first podcast back in August of 2019. And, um, you know, not to like, it's a competition, but she has the most <laughs> downloads of all of the podcasts. So yeah, you won. You won the prize, whatever that Yay. is. Right? Yay. Yay. And so last time we talked about healthy relationships. Really? Are there? Um, and then um, today we just want to get like, I don't want to say deeper or just talk more about relationships and, you know, love to self, connectedness, uh, you know to detachment or mm. attachment and um so hey welcome samantha thanks dave thanks hi everybody yeah really uh, grateful to be here um I, when we we're sort of talking about doing a second podcast i kept thinking well what you know what do we where are we going to go what do we need to talk about now you know mm. and so over the last couple months since we've been planning on doing this i've been trying to kind of keep notes or be mindful of what seems to come up a lot in sessions that I have with clients. And um, it seems to be sort of the same thing over and over again. Yeah, didn't you say like most people ask the same questions or want the same like outcome Yeah, as or, a human being? Or have the same goal. Right. Right. Okay. So I, I'll give you kind of an idea. I start the same way. I start a session the same way with everyone. I say, what do you want? What do you really want? And lots of times, I'm always surprised by how many people initially say this, I don't know. And I'll say, well, you know, I mean, the smart ass in me is like, well, you get back to me when you know, you yeah, know what I mean? Right. But, but I don't right. say that. Um, it's your dime. <laughs> right, right, I'll just sit. <laughs> but what I do say is, okay, then let's start with what you don't want. And Interestingly enough, no problem there. Yeah, exactly. That seems to set off a stream, a thought of consciousness, which is just like, well, I don't want to feel like this. I don't want my husband to be like this. I don't want my partner, my wife, whatever you. Um, I don't want my boss to do it. And as you see, it's all having to do with relationships. It's all having to do with some sort of relationships. Or I don't want to feel this way about me, relationship to self. Yeah. So... I'll say these same things and I'll offer that to even to the listeners of the podcast is a, a, a therapy or a, or a counseling session or a life coaching session would go something like this. What do you want? I don't know. What do you not want? I don't want to feel like this. How do you feel? I don't like myself. Okay. So what I hear you saying is, is you would like to like yourself. Yeah. Okay. So now we're starting to form a goal. And that's one of the bigger things is that self-love. You know, we talked about that a little bit before is that, you know, I, I always go back to that Maya Angelou thing. She goes, I don't trust people to tell me that they love me when they don't even love themselves. Yeah. You know, the African proverb of never trust a naked man that offers you a shirt, you know. And so, but I think there's different levels of it. You know, I don't know if everyone loves themselves to on on a certain level but when you get to where i don't want to even say confident enough you know or you understand the inner workings of yourself or mm. whatever that is but we you know fear is you know the underlining what do you they even say that in the big book evil and the corroding evil thread, corroding thread. Right. the like, fabric of our existence is shot like, through with it oh my god but like here listen Dave. evil and corroding oh my god that's so just to finish this little thing is like right. i ask them what they want and then i say what are the barriers to that want and that's kind of what we're tapping in on so what do you want what are the barriers to that and how do we remove those barriers so if it's i want more self-esteem what are the barriers to self-esteem? That's a tough question for a lot of people, right. unless you've done some work. What are the barriers to my self-esteem? They're like, uh, I don't know, I just don't feel good. I'm going, so let me help with that. What do you think the barriers to self-esteem look like? For me and for most people, they look like a core belief system that's no longer serving them. Like values? Uh, yeah, right. okay. Yep, like values like and and messages that they have been told. So for example, sorry about that. I'm not sure if this is, sorry guys, I'm moving the mic. Um, think about 
what causes just what causes low self-esteem? Nobody comes out of the womb with broken self-esteem. Right. It's absolutely something that is inherited, taught, whatever. So I'll talk to people about here's your inheritance, low self-esteem. You didn't come out of the womb that way. That was given to you. Learned behavior. Absolutely. Right. So let's go back and let's go back and take a look at the first time, if at all possible, the earliest time you can remember feeling not good enough. Right. And that's the beginning of the sessions. Mm-hmm. Those are the beginning of the treatment. It's the beginning of the process. Now, we don't have to languish in the past. We don't have to, you know, it's not all about parent blaming. That's not about, that's not really what we're doing here. But in order to have compassion for myself, I really need to have some compassion for the people that fucked me up. Right. I really do. Now, this is a general statement, folks, because trust me, there's some really evil things that have gone on and I'm not saying, it's just like, forgive, forgive, forgive. I'm saying explore, investigate. Without a doubt, in the 20 years I've been doing this, if I walk someone through a genogram, which is similar to a, f- a family tree, but that's for another podcast. Um, if we look at the perpetrators on your life, the people that have betrayed you, hurt you, have given you this false information about yourself, I will almost 99% guarantee you that someone did that to them. This is no big news, right? Every, we all know this. You hear millions of podcasts and you know books about this. But there is a benefit in exploring your past. Then it's about re-narrating, writing the new story of your life with more accurate information about who you are. But one of the things you and I wanted to talk about today was like, how does the majority of people that come to me say, what do I want? I want to be free. Right. And I go, okay. Free from what? Exactly. Now, no matter what it is, and there can be a plethora of things that they want to be free from. But for the most part, it's I want to be free from the bondage of self, from the bondage of thoughts in my mind that cause me suffering. I want to be free. And what's the biggie? Fear. It may wear lots of cute different outfits. Fear can wear a lot of cute different outfits. But ultimately, it's still fear. And that's where we can come, we can trace back everything almost. I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's it's debatable right. and you know lots of you know friends and I can stay up all night long and discuss whether or not you know the underlying issue of all character defects is fear. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um only because I see that as my fear decreases strangely enough so do my character defects. Well, shame too, you know. I mean every, that's like the new buzzword in the therapeutic community mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or so is like you know the shame like we feel the shame but i think underlining the shame is fear, fear. Yeah. Well, and again remember if, if someone's shaming you i mean from the, the from the earliest of times the way that you know community the way that culture and society sort of managed and manipulated um the 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 citizens was through fear most of the time, right? It can be very effective. Control fear, right? Absolutely. It can be very effective for behavioral modification, Mm -hmm. but rarely does it allow for sustained long-term change, right? right? And that's a whole other thing we could talk about is the difference between change and transformation, you know, but... but There are some, you know, I I just had this thought of like some, um, I I don't want to say good fears, you know, not a judgment, Mm. but some things that, you know... Well, I have to be fearful that I have to pay the rent because I have to go get a job, you know. Is like, fearful the right, right word, though? Right, yeah. Is fearful the right word? No, or is yeah, I have to be responsible. Or, mindful, you know, mindful, vigilant, right. concerned, mm-hmm. right? And there's, I think there's, you know, there's a difference between fear or healthy fear or what have you and terror. Right. You know, I think there's a difference. I think Flight or fight, you know, that kind of stuff. I think know? fear should be used as a servant, mm-hmm. not my master. Right. Well, the, you know, I, I know my spot, you know, I had no idea when I first went through the steps and we were on the fear inventory. Place. Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you afraid of? And I'm like, ah, like snakes. You know, it's like I had no idea really what sure. in context what he was getting into. And, um, you know, are, do you have fear of getting out of prison? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to come back and I don't know if I can live in a, you know, there, so it, is. there it was both all this, sides. You know, and he was kind of prompting me to to do some things. What about fear of staying sober? Mm. You know, fear of relapse, all of this. So then it kind of like, okay, I, I get what you're saying, you know. And, and then 
but it, like in the 30 plus years there's it's still there and it's still prominent like you know motivating i don't want to say motivating but like it still fucks me up mm -hmm. you know and so so t thinking about you know if you're sitting with someone and you know you're talking about okay so the goal here is to be free then there's some some news that I feel obligated to deliver. Again, in my opinion. I can't say that enough. This is in my opinion. Right. In my opinion, freedom isn't free. And you really have to like, you deliver that to a client and they kind of sit back like, what? And I go, yeah, let, let that just wash over you for a second. Freedom isn't free. So it is going to require a sacrifice. Freedom costs. Something is going to be have to. Something is going to have to be given up. Um, so are best, you saying you have to let go of something to get to that point? That's a nice way to say it. Right. Let go of something. Right. Sure, you know you have to be. Think of it. Letting go or sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Letting go is just like let go. Right. Sacrifice is <laughs> my. I'm cutting off my finger. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Slightly right. different. Maybe it's just me and I'm dramatic. And I'm stuck in the rock. I no just shave it off. I cut <laughs> it off to get free. Think about it this way, and I, I always use sort of the sort of the slave trade, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if one of the slaves comes back to the plantation and he goes, "We're going to get free. I got a plan. We got the Underground Railroad. I got some people in Philadelphia. Blah blah blah." And the other slave's like, "Whoa, yeah. what do you mean we're going to get free?" He's like, "We're leaving tonight." And the guy's just Could like, "Get killed." Exactly, <laughs> and. And, and, you know, and the guy goes, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's possible, you know, but listen, it's got to be better than what we've got now. And the other slave goes, are you sure? I mean, listen, I know that I'm going to get raped on Tuesday and beaten on Saturday and, you know, that my kids, I know, I know what to expect. Every single week, it's the same. I get beaten on this day, raped on this day, fed on this day, but I know. I mean, it sucks, but I know I can navigate that. I'm getting used to it. You know, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, when the guy is, you know, in the, the Nazi concentration camp or whatever, and he's like, how do I find meaning and purpose in this? There's a certain level of, like, comfort in knowing exactly what I, I, I can, I can you know, the human behavior, the human mind can adjust to all kinds of horrific atrocities. Well, they say the alcoholic life might seem normal right, right? it's the yeah, only it's one like, yeah after, this right? is the only one i got i mean it's fucked exactly. up but I, it, yeah it, it, it's, you know this is what i got exactly right? you know I'm what i mean with, right? so then which is it, pretty unhealthy let me just say depends me. on your value system but yeah <laughs> i think you know you know eventually the whole point is is you're gonna have to realize that to get free there is going to be another level of fear that we have to address the fear of the unknown or what have you but this has to go the comfort and the familiarity and the assuredness of this that I'm experiencing right now, that might have to go. If we're looking about, I want to be, this is going to get real, yeah. this is going to get really uncomfortable here. If I'm looking at, I need to get free from low self-esteem. One of the first things I'm going to talk to people about are, let's explore the payoff right. of low self-esteem. Let's explore the payoff. I want to no longer be a victim. Let's explore the payoff in maintaining victimhood. Right, like I don't have to deal with it, you know. I just you know. scruff it off. It's underneath the carpet, you yep. know. I go along with my fucked up life, or not fucked up, but my life sure. as it is, and repeating the same patterns, repeating the same shit that happens over and over, yeah. or do you want to be free of this? I'm abdicating right. responsibility. Exactly. And, and as in regard, you know, when I do that, if I am blaming you for the state of my life, there is a payoff in that, in that it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You're doing it to me, right? So while that's still messed up, it, it's a very, you know, it's a very difficult concept that the quality of your life, the responsibility for the quality of your life rests entirely on your shoulders. And that's like the concept behind quantum physics and stuff like that, right? Your thoughts create your reality. You are responsible for the quality of your life. And, and a lot of you, it's tough when you think of the hor horrific shit that goes on in the world. It's hard to want to say, I co-created this. And I don't even want to go down that pathway in this. But what I do want to say is, in order to get free, I'm going to have to look at the ways that I am in bondage still and 
in the ways, honestly, that I like it, not like it, but that I benefit from being in bondage. But didn't we so you use the word sacrifice? Or- Remember, the first thing is I have to look, I have to honestly look at the ways that I am, is this still working? Yeah. I have to honestly look at the ways that I am in bondage and then I have to honestly assess if I'm willing to give those up. That's the sacrifice. The sacrifice is being able to look at the ways that you're in bondage that you're not willing to give up. And that one of the quotes I loved, I used in my book was, a revolution is usually not started on a full stomach. Mm. Right. I mean, I, I forget some dad I heard say that, you know, it's like we're not like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'm fat and happy. Like, you know, let's overthrow the government. Right. Like, no, we're fucking starving. We're, you know, uh, oppressed. We're all this shit. Fuck this. It's like yeah. the slavery. Think you know? about sobriety. Right. right? Exactly. It wasn't like I had a good night on heroin. Yeah, I'm good. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go get sober. Right. No. It's not like making no. people pay in their, pee in their pants and, and pistol whipping them going, who am I? Yeah. You know, and, and my life, the horrors of addiction. You that's know, right. We can go down that road. And, and, and that's what I'm saying about when we talk about freedom, whether I'm dealing with someone who is a recovering addict or not, it's, it's still the bondage. You know, the, look at the addiction of approval. Yeah. Look at the addiction of validation. I mean, that's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dope dealer on every corner selling validation, yeah. selling approval. They're right. slinging that shit left right. and right. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, do you want to be free? If you want to be free, then there's, about, there's some work to be done in regards to truly getting free. When we're talking about, um, you know, in relationships, what causes people the most fear? A lot of it is being alone, not wanting to be alone. And... <laughs> You know, I mean, again, consider the source, but we are alone in a lot of ways. And our relationships with people and family and friends, they are a delusion in some ways that we're not alone. And I don't mean to sound negative in that. It's beautiful. This is where so much creativity and love and, you know, support and encouragement and wisdom and amazing shit happens with us in community. But we also need to make peace with being alone, you know, because when the fear of my life is driven by wanting to avoid being alone, I'm in bondage. Well, and that comes back to, you know, I want, you know, doing the, the work on myself to being okay with myself, going back to that, you know, loving myself and, and feeling good about myself because then I can show up in a way in a community or in a relationship in a healthier manner. Certainly, because I'm not demanding something from you. If I'm showing up in relationship, just the the wholest version that I can be of me, then there's less of you, there's less that you need to tend to. There's less that you. It's 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 more of a a partnership as opposed to like a bargain for exchange. You know what I mean? There is a, there is a, um, a purity to it or an authenticity to the relationship because it's not based on needing each other. It's based on wanting each other. And there's a difference. One and one makes one. That's kind of, well. Well, <laughs> I think that's lovely. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go biblical, right? It's right. like the two shall become one, right. right? I like to think of it as, two pieces of Swiss cheese become one, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, but ideally the, the miracle of love is not, is not two halves becoming whole. Again, this is biblical. I'm not sure I buy all this, but right. I think there's the, the beauty of this is bringing the most whole version of myself to any relationship I'm in. That also helps me manage expectations of what I want. So let's get into this that's really difficult is I have people do sort of a values list, right? I'll say, what do you want in a relationship? And that we talked about this before. I don't know if we did this in the last podcast, but I think it's important to mention again is if you're unhappy in the relationship that you're in or if you're seeking a relationship, then the first thing I would ask you if I was working with you is what do you want? Are you clear on what you want in a relationship? And if they say no, again, we start with what you don't want. That's fine. We're defining what you want. And then as you share your list with me, this is, these are the ideals, an ideal mate, if you want. 
and and I want it to be as superficial as it is deep. Let it be physical as well as metaphysical, if you will. And once you share it with me, I'll be like, all right, so on a scale of zero to 10, zero meaning you have none of this quality or 10, you are a baller in this quality, this quality that you want in another. I want to see where you're at in that. And they'll go five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, two, zero, whatever. Whatever you are on that list, that's what you're bringing to the table. So you better be prepared to have that be brought to you. In other words, most people are fives, sixes, sevens, but they want a 10. Exactly. (laughs) No, it doesn't fucking work like that. You know what I mean? You might be able to reel the fish in initially, but eventually that 10 is going to be like, you're a motherfucking five. You know what I mean? Fuck you. I'm out of here. And then you'll be like, there's just no one good for me. It's like, no. You, you signed up, you brought this version to the table wanting more than you're bringing. And then you're surprised when somebody calls you on it. Mm-hmm. So people are like, well, I'm never going to be a 10. I'll never have a relationship. There's a part of me that's like, all right, we'll breathe that in then. Yeah, but right. the, the other side of me is like, then let's try to increase that. Yeah, how do we increase that? Right, yeah, so that, that's the work. So right? let's think of it as a skill. If you think of increasing certain um, qualities of a human being, you know, if you want more of this, then let's go back to the gym and find someone. It's like, this is a, this is a skill. If there's a skill involved, let's find a teacher. The teacher that can teach you how to do this. The teacher that's living this, that's walking this. You know, Tony Robbins or any of these, any of these big gurus that don't want to be called guru or whatever, any of like these life coaches, any of these, any gurus, right? right? Since right. the beginning of time, whether it's Socrates or mm-hmm. all the way up, people are sitting at their feet going, we like the way you live, not just the way you think. Right. We like the way you think and we like the way you live. And that was a tough one for Socrates, you know what I mean? Because they loved the way he thought, but a lot of people were like... Yeah, he's the not guy, walking. He's off, messy, right? Yeah. right? He's got like food in his beard and shit like that. <laughs> what, what's, what's going on? But what people decided was, I'm getting some, the way that you're thinking, and he was still being authentic. He was still being authentic. He was saying this physical form is, you know, Flawed. it's trite. Yeah, yeah, it really is, you know. But he was able, so anyways, I, I think a big part of this interacting and being able to have healthy relationships Yes, they have to start with self. And how does one build self-esteem? Of course, from a 12-step perspective, you do self-esteemable acts. But it's deeper than that. It's uncovering the core belief system that told you you're no good. Mm-hmm. And then really having to explore that. Not just, you know, Stuart Smalley, you're good enough, you're smart enough, right. and doggone it, people like you. Um, and not just Louise Hay, you know, affirmations, although I think it's incredibly powerful. And neuropsychologically, that has been proven that this shit works. It lights up the frontal lobe. It does some things to the brain that are really important. Um, well, focusing on the accomplishments, it, not the failures, you know, but then focusing on the failures to see how you can build on those. Or at know? least acknowledging the yeah, failures, yeah. right? And then acknowledging the belief system that was given to you. It's not yours. If it is yours, great. I want to make sure that you have decided it's your value system based on your own experience, not based on what someone told you. If people say, well, monogamy is good, I'll say, why? They'll say polygamy is good. I'll say why, right? right? I, I want to know why you think that. I teach a class right at City College, right? Law and ethics. And we, for the entire semester, I tell students, for this entire semester, I don't want you using the word good, bad, right, or wrong. And then we get into some hot button topics, really? right? Whether it's abortion, um, you know, uh, euthanasia, uh, whatever things, because we're dealing with law and ethics in the counseling facility, how you counsel people through hot but- button topics. And I'll say, why? Is it your religion that says that? Is it your mom and dad's religion that says that? I don't have a problem with that. I just want to know, is it your value system or is it something you've inherited? Or, yeah, that you've been taught. You've been taught. And and because it's too scary to rock the boat, you're going to live in black and white. This is wrong. This is right. What you're talking about earlier is that it's what's your value system? What do you really want? You know, and I, you know, there's so many people, including myself, that like, you know, 
if I'm in a relationship, I become more of the other person and I'm not who I am. And then that then I start to get resentful. Mm. And then it's just this, you know, chasing your tail, you know, one foot nailed to the ground. You're like, how the fuck do I get out of this? You know, and then that becomes what's your true value and what you know, who are you as a human being when, you know, when I or when anyone else can say, yeah, this isn't working for me. Why isn't this working for me? And how can I change this? And that's what it comes down to. And let's let's give your scenario for a second, because I think that's a good little mini therapy session, if you will. If you say to me, Sam, in relationship, I tend to start you know, through codependency or whatever, I start to sort of lose myself. I start to become more of what I think the other person wants me to be. Then I start feeling like my foot is, what did you say? Nailed my foot's nailed down. down. I'm going in circles and chasing circles, my tail, chasing right. my tail, what have you. And the first thing I say to them, to you is, so what do you want? Yeah, and if you go, I want to stop chasing my tail. Mm-hmm. I go, what's preventing you from chasing your tail? Answer. Yeah, losing what I think I want or losing the person I love or think I love, you know, I mean, it, there's all kinds. So of, let's yeah. suss it out a little bit. Right. So you're, you're spinning right now. Tell me about spinning. I just, I'm getting resentful. About what? About losing myself and not, you know, being validated or being, you know, it, it's be, it, like the roles have, have reversed where... I feel that I'm less than or I'm not good enough or any of that. You know? So you feel that you're less than or not good enough. Right. Okay. In this relationship. Yeah, the scenario. What's causing you in this scenario to make you feel less than? Not being completely honest. Mm. With myself and with the other person. So don't look now, but we just identified the barrier to <laughs> right. stopping chasing your right. tail. Honesty. That's right. right. So now let's go deeper. Yeah. What prevents people from being honest? Fear. Right. right. What's the fear? Let's deep. I don't know how much. Yeah, just expose whatever you want right. to expose. Hypothetical. Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of right in this moment? Then it becomes alone. But then you are alone, you know. Again, if I'm afraid of being alone, it sounds like we have a treatment plan. Exactly. Right. What do you mean? I have to get pe- at peace with being alone? Yep. How do I do that? Well, let's talk about, first of all, like, you know, there's, we can do skills and meditation retreats and everything, and study death. And, you know, there's a lot of things. But ultimately, if you're afraid of being alone, we got a fucking problem. Right. You need to get right with it. You got to at least find some peace with it. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to live it. You don't have to do what I do and just completely isolate up in this little house here on the hill, you know, fuck people. But, you know, on some level, you've got to make peace. With this, you are the love of your life. You are the only person you're going to spend the rest of your fucking life with. We've got to make peace with that. And yes, there are skills. Yes, there are coaching things and, and so on and so forth that must be practiced. Example, we, give me just, you know, we have to go into Well, I think, I think for me, <laughs> some of the practices that have helped me is like I have done some retreats either you know, silent retreats or even somewhat, I don't want to say full on vision quest because, you know, you know, 30 hours or 40 hours out in the desert of Sedona by myself, you know, knowing that someone's going to come get me eventually. I mean, how alone am I? But it fucked me up. It was really a challenge to spend two days all by myself no one around for hundreds, I mean, not, I won't say hundreds of miles. They were probably, they, they were close, but aside from the people that could come check on me, I was very alone. No phone, no electronics, distractions. no distractions, nothing. Just your mind. Right? right? Like I'm blown away by people who can do, you know, 40 days and 40 nights. What? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was really a, 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 a tremendous experience to kind of have several experiences over the last 25 years. What was your takeaway from that? I mean... I am terrified. I am flawed. I I mean, at first it was just anxiety of like, this is, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. There was crying, you know, gnashing of teeth. There was like, I, I a couple times started to walk back into town 13 miles. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, Sam, you know, I don't know, somewhere like mile one. I'm like, come on, let's... 
Let's re let's regroup here. You know what I mean? Self-soothing skills. You're going to be okay. This is okay. Breathe. Meditation. And this was, I was probably, God, this was, it had to be 2004. So okay. however, you know, I was much less. Almost 20 years ago. Yeah, almost 20 years yeah. ago, right? 13, or right? 17 years ago. Right. So I was seven <laughs> years sober, right. you know, something like that. Um, it was, but what I, mean, I was what a would, different, I was, a, I was, I had to, imp, the takeaway was I need more skills. I need more skills to navigate this world. And then that, you know, I went back to school. I, you know, got a master's. I, you know, I did things that helped me buoy up this concept of fear. I mean, I, I did some things to try to explore impermanence and the temporariness of life and you know really trying to embrace my mortality right and i know what the listener will say and and because i you know i work with a lot of people that will say so so you're saying i need to get more skills i need to get a teacher that's going to help me do this and like yeah you know it's like a coach you have natural talent let's you know, let's explore that or let's, you know, um, expound on that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We, you've got the raw talent yourself, right? And so let's let's find a teacher. And what my experience is, is that a lot of people are like, yeah, that's groovy. I don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the work. Yeah. And it is about work. And yeah. that's, you know, it comes back to even in my book is I'm like, let's not overthink this. Do the fucking work and you'll get a result. You go to work for two weeks and they hand you some money. Paycheck, that's right. Right? Yeah. But if you, you get a job and then you show up in two weeks and you didn't come to work and you go, can I get my paycheck? And they're like, get the fuck out Pretty of here. Pretty much. Right? Yep. You're not going to get paid, you know? Or <laughs> and, and you don't have to, like I say, like you don't have to do a vision quest or a 10-day or 20-day right. silent retreat. It, you don't have to start there for sure, but... For sure, start with a meditation practice. For sure, because the only place we suffer is the mind. So that's really where we need to tend to. And yes, I think, I joke about this all the time. You know, I tell people, look, you can pay me $200 an hour or you can meditate and never have to see me again. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll just pay you the 200 bucks. You know, (laughs) it's fucking ridiculous. You know, and it's not, I mean, I I love, I love you. I love my clients. I love my students, all that stuff. And I'm super grateful for the work and I'm grateful to be able to do this. But part of my job as an ethical counselor, as like an ethical life coach is I should be trying to work myself out of a job. That's really ethically what I should be doing. Ethically, I should be doing the work to the point where you no longer need me. That's the goal, really. An ethical counselor should really be trying to work themselves out of a job. And I'll tell you right now, um, it, it's this this form of work is probably there's more job security in this right. than in you know it, it's up there with tech. You well, know what I mean? What, and healthcare. This is what I've experienced. Is that, and you know even myself or any human being is like. Well, I think culturally too. Mm-hmm. I'll just you know use that as a, a disclaimer: is that that instant gratification. Well, if I meditate, I just sat there and nothing happened. But if I go to the gym and lift a weight, or if I do this, I'm seeing the results like that. So there's that shift of like the work's going to take a while, and you're not going to like you know I you know I have this value system and this is what I want, and then I start to you know meditate or go to therapy and i'm not getting the results right away and and i think that's where people fall off the you know off the path is that this yeah. isn't this Instant is there's no end game here that's this right. is about yeah. a process right. of getting better you know looking at me like 32 years of sobriety been meditating for 20 mm-hmm. years and i'm like sometimes i sit down and i'm like the fuck am i doing <laughs> i should be checking my email you know this is fucking ridiculous i'm sitting here thinking and i get it like oh it's a relationship to my thoughts and it's like bring it back to the breath the monkey mind i've read every fucking self-help book known to god (laughs) and i'm still fucked up but i'm a little less fucked up than i was before and it's a process there's no maybe i'll get it in this lifetime maybe i'll get it in the next lifetime you know but you've had those times i know that if you if you've meditated for any period of time you have had those moments that Uh i call the dope yeah. moments yeah. 
where you're like, yeah. The gap. Right. In between. Oh, yeah. Right. Now, yeah. even with beginning meditators, if I'll say to them, look, it was a life-changing experience for me to have a meditation teacher, to do a meditation group, to meditate in a group, to have a class. That's where that community is so powerful. That's where that whole thing of like, better get at peace with being alone. It's like, yeah, well, but until you, until you are dead or until you have lost this physical form, absolutely lean into other physical forms. You know what I mean? Now that brings up a whole nother system or a whole nother topic of like... <sighs> The amount of intimacy is directly related to how much you share a value system with someone else. So, yes, it's important that you find like-minded folk when you are on a path of whatever. I mean, again, you could say that negatively, too. It's like, look, the Ku Klux Klan is a like-minded group. You know what I mean? They found their tribe, right? Right. The the white supremacy is like... They sort of buoy each other up. You know, you're preaching to the choir. But when you're trying to learn a new skill, it is important that, you know, you find someone who seems to have attained a level of mastery, if you will, or freedom or peace or compassion or whatever your goal is. You want to go to that that person and sit at their feet for a second and be like, teach me how to do this, right? And... So that ties into even romantic, uh, sexual, uh, familial, friendship, relationships, whatever topic it is, the relationship that you have. The amount of intimacy you share with that person is directly related to how uh, synchronistic your value systems are. Well, and then it comes down to it's like if they share their value systems with you or what you think that they want. I'm just using a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, well, fuck, I'm afraid to share mine because it might not jive with theirs, and then I want to get laid tonight. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and that's exactly where I talk about, you know, like, like PC says, you know, spray painting my red flags green. I'm no yeah. longer willing to spray paint my red flags green. Well, when you really, and, you know, when you really think about that concept, think about the red flags that come up. Red flag, ooh, ooh. Then you bust out your big green spray paint can, you're like, right. shh. That ain't red, because that's the most money I've ever made. Exactly. That ain't that ain't red, because I'll change him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I know he treats his mom like shit, but right. I'll be different. You know what I mean? Whatever. When you're into it, and then you know, a year later, you're like, I can't believe it happened. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, Really? Really? Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back to like January Scrape here. Off the <laughs> really? Remember that first time you went in to shake his hand, and there was a party that was like, Ooh, that. Right there, that's intuition. That's divinity. You are, that is the shit of gods. You are divine. You got that. You are intuitive. And because of self-centered fear, because of I want something, I spray paint the red flag green. And And that is the point. Like, you know, and then, but it comes back to what we were talking about before is like, what are your value systems? That's right. You better, what, you better what, get clear on it. What is your value system? And, and really, what do you want? And how much are you willing to sacrifice? There it is. You know, to, to get there. To, be, to not betray yourself. Exactly. Because that's ultimately the, the goal of spray, I mean, not the goal, the result of spray painting red flag green is self-betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it puts you back possibly in the victim mode which again has to get explored because this this has to go. It's that part in the big boys like, but at some point we see that at some point in the past, I've put myself in a position to be hurt. You know what I mean? I made a decision based on self that later put me in a position to be hurt. Right. Okay. And that's what I like what you say, you know, if we're doing a therapy session, it's like, there, there is a lot, I don't want to even use the word blame. There is this other person or whatever created this. Co-created. But now you have to really look at what your part is, how it was co-created. Thank you. And think yeah. about that word. It's yeah. co-creating. Right. You know, or you're just going to stay in that fucking, you know, one foot nail to the floor. They're doing it tail. to me. Victim. Yep. They're doing it to right. me. They're doing right. it to me. As opposed to, no, they're doing it for you. But right. that's a bit much sometimes, yeah. especially if right. you're raped. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what? The guy did it for me. Yeah. 
that's a whole nother, you know, podcast. Di- yeah, ex- exactly. And but forgiveness the, and, and you know, finding the empowerment in oh God, it's so weird. Finding the empowerment in acknowledging that I gave away my power. Finding empowerment and acknowledging that I gave my, my power. And I don't want to use that. Don't tie that in regards to being raped. That's not what that power was taken. Yes. But can I be empowered after my power was taken from me? And and you'll see numerous examples. Just turn on Oprah. Of course, it can you yeah. can be re-empowered. Right. Go write a book and make a billion dollars about having your arms cut off and you know being raped for 16 years. It's just like it's not the way I would want. To be empowered, you know what I mean? But most of our empowerment comes from the dark night of the soul. Really seeing that, you know, and Jung wrote about it and Campbell and everybody else, you know, where we have to integrate this, the darkness of who we are, the darkness of our lives into the light. We don't, we don't, we no longer are trying to get rid of these dark sides of us or the world. We need to bring some light to them, but we also need to see that there's gold in the shit. Right. It's empowering. You know, it's just like you can use, you know, your the horrors of your addiction and what happened to that. And then you walked into the light and you're using your experience to help other people. The, our darkest moments right. become our greatest assets. Exactly. You know, when you can really see that your darkest moments are almost the life-giving elixir for someone else who's had that dark experience, you tell me how valuable that that rape was. Yeah. When the only person in the room can talk to a person who's been raped is the person who's been raped. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, th- that is, th- when you start to see that, I'm not saying I would want it to be done to me again, yeah. but what I'm saying is, is I start to see the value in the two most therapeutic words in the English language, which are, I understand. Yeah. Like, I understand. Well, and then people are like, well, you know, you went to prison, you were a heroin addict, you know, you were stabbed, you know, all the shit that happened to you, that that was done for a reason for you to become a better human being. I'm like, well, it's all about choices, you know, and and, and it comes down to what I want to do with that experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do I want to stay in the spoon and become and just stay the victim? It's like, yeah, I, I just can't break out of that. Or do I use that experience? You know, someone say, well, God, you went to prison and that, that was all pre-planned. I'm like, I went to prison because I broke the law. <laughs> I mean, let's like get right, down to brass right. tacks. You want to go metaphysical, we'll go metaphysical. <laughs> yeah, but let's right, be honest, right. I you fucked know, up. You picked your parents. And yeah, all, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, we can go sure. out that road. But I, I fucking went to prison because I broke the law. <laughs> I was a heroin addict and right. did robberies and sold drugs and all of that. But the point is, is when I got to that, you know, when I got to that place of I need to break free of this, what's the sacrifice? That's it. You know, and then and then taking that experience and some guy goes, oh, my God, I can relate to this guy, mm-hmm. you know, because what are those three words you said? I, I, uh, two words. Two words. I, I understand. understand. Right. Yeah. You know, I, that's, you know, all the self-help groups on, on the planet are based in this common wound, if you will, right? That we're talking and, and processing and emoting and engaging because we suffer from the same wound. And so the, the, the joy is also, you know, um, compounded and, and shared as there's an old saying, and my mom used to say, uh, suffering shared is suffering halved, halved, Right. Right. And joy shared is joy compounded, which is an interesting kind of math problem. But well, it comes, sort of you know, and, and I, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of thinking. So if I'm listening to this, and we go back to what we were talking about, value systems, and then doing the work, mm-hmm. and, and I and I want to just keep, you know, like hitting this home it's is important. that so many people that I know you know, including myself at times, don't want to do the work, you know, or, okay, you sit in front of a guru and sitting and like, oh my God, that's just so awesome. And, and you know, Kazamuti or whatever, whoever it is, you know, and or Tony Robbins, all these life coaches, and they, they're they giving you all the tools. Yep. But I swear to God, nine out of 10 times, people go home and go, yeah, that's too hard. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I remember reading this whole research program on people that were, 
mandated into treatment and people that volunteered the treatment, mm-hmm. what the outcome was. And it was 50-50, mm. pretty much. And they're like, well, why? And like, well, some people come in like all enthusiastic. Yeah, I want, I want to change and I want to get into this. And then they get it like, oh, I have to do that? You know, it's like you say, I only have plan A, you know, I don't have plan B, this is it, you know, it's like, and they're like, well, I don't really want to do the work, and then they relapse or whatever, mm-hmm. they go back to whatever they're doing. The person that comes in fucking heels dug in, kicking and screaming, some light comes on and goes, wow, if I do that, this change will happen, you know, and so, it, you know, I hate mm. to say that, it, it comes down to the work. But then the second question, I think some people listen that are listening will ask. But I just don't know what the what is the work. Well, and again, in a podcast, it's difficult to sort of address that question. What's what would be great is if we could take some live calls, or right, what would right. be great because then I can sort of address the specific question that the person has. Right. Even though my experience is, no matter what the difference, the plethora of differences in the angst, if you will, it's it almost always comes down to the same thing. But Here's, here's the thing, and I want really people to get this recipe, is what do you want? What are the barriers to that want? And what do we need to do to remove those barriers? That's the simplicity of it. And if they come back and go, I don't know what I want, then what? We start I, with what you don't, don't want. want. Yes. Start with what you don't want, right? And, and, and again, then it, it gets sticky because if you're saying to me, I want freedom, I'll say freedom from what? Okay? And they'll say freedom from self-loathing or freedom from caring what people think so much. Okay, there's, this, there's not the simplicity of, um, okay, great, I'm gonna give you this and you're gonna stop caring. Right. We have to explore the value system that causes you to care so much. We have to explore the, the punishment of not caring the punishment of caring, the punishment meaning what is the price you pay for not caring what people think? What is the, be- it's a cost benefit analysis yeah, still. Yeah. We're still animals that want to increase pleasure and decrease pain. It's yeah. that ridiculous, right. you know? But the, the, the myriad of issues that cause us to suffer ultimately has to do with we need to explore your value system and we need to explore the ways in which you continuously betray yourself because you're afraid to honor your value system, because there will be a cost. And then you come back to, okay, that's the old story. Let's rewrite the new story. And are you prepared to realize that if you want to be free from what people think, there will be a price to pay? For example, sacrifice. there will be a price to pay. There will be a sacrifice. What is the price that you might pay in a community where you don't care what a lot of people think about you. The price you pay is you won't be in that community. You know? <laughs> right. It's quite possible. Yes. It's quite possible. And are you okay with that? And here's the thing is, the only reason that, you know, I, the, the thing that gets me into trouble a lot of times is, or I shouldn't say that, let me put it this way. Here's one of the ways to get free from what people think of you. I first have to explore whether or not what that person thinks of me is valuable to me. Right, exactly. It comes down to value. It always does. It always does is, you know, people can say, "I I don't care what anybody thinks. And I'll be like, really? You don't care what anybody thinks. The only reason I care about what people think of me is if I value that person's opinion. The scary thing is, is, I know people, I have a ton of clients, and this is some great work. This is aha moment shit for them. Is they'll say, but they don't like me. And I'll go, do you like them? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you've just described to me a mean girl, that that this bitch is mean, and you want her to like you. You don't like her. Yeah, why do you want her to like (laughs) you? And this client just sits like, oh, fuck, I don't even even know, you know? It's really interesting. It's like, you don't, do you value that person? Do you share a value system with them? No, I don't. Last podcast, we talked about trust and respect. Remember? Right, yeah. 
that the, the unavoidable, the, the must-haves, the absolute necessities of a healthy relationship across the board, no matter what kind of relationship it is, is trust and respect. And people go, but I love this person. I go, I don't care. You trust and respect Do them. Do you trust and respect right. them? Actually, I don't. I'm like, yeah. So love, people like, but I love them. But it's my mom. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't, I'm sorry, but that's not, that doesn't matter when it, psychologically speaking, I understand culturally, religiously, uh, familially, traditionally, but I'm dealing psychologically. Psychologically, that's not what makes a healthy relationship. You cannot relate to someone you don't trust or respect. You might have a connection to them. I love them, but I don't trust or respect them. That's not a relationship. That's a connection. Yeah, and a lot of people say, well, God, the sex is fucking amazing. Cost-benefit analysis. But, it, but not everything else, we fucking argue all the time. It's like, so are you willing to sacrifice your esteem or who you are as a person just because you guys fuck your brains out and it's yeah, amazing? the sex is good. Right. Every other moment outside of the sex, it's not good. And I say, so what do you want? Yeah. Do you want six minutes? Every day, four minutes, whatever, 30 seconds, however. If that, I'm not here to judge that. I don't give a shit. I'm just here to help you find your truth. And if your truth is I am unhappy 23 hours a day and happy one, who am I to say that's not a quality life? I don't want it, but that's not my business. My business is do you want that life? No, I don't. Then you're going to have to give something up. That's a sacrifice. Sorry. And then you have to do some work. That's right. That might not, that might take a, a while, you yeah. know, but there's progress. You know, I went around the room, I was doing a book study um, with my book and the big book. And uh, I asked the question, what, what's changed in your life? Like just in a couple, you know, a couple of words, not like going into, you know, like a whole a narrative, but what, or the qualities of your life that you've seen that's changed in a positive way since you're you're doing the work and getting sober. Mm-hmm. And I loved what one guy said. He goes, I don't give a fuck a little less. Yeah, I give a few less fucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I give a few less fucks. Uh-huh. I mean, before I didn't give a fuck about anything. And now I give a fuck a little less. I was like, that's fucking brilliant. So that's, wait, that's interesting. I didn't give a fuck about anything, which I don't believe. Right. Right? So it's like. Now I'm giving a fuck a little bit. Okay, right. that's that's yeah. different. Okay, right. got it. Yes, yes. A or, little bit. Or I give, I give so, I care way too much. And now I care a little bit less. Right. The, to be able to sort of filter out why I care about this and why I don't care about that, you know? Again, coming back to a value system. It's really, really important for self-love to acknowledge your, to explore and investigate and assess and own your value system. Here's the scary thing. Once you establish your value system, then you must live that value system to the best of your ability or suffer. You'll simply suffer the consequences of that. And here's what I tell most people, which is kind of funny, but once you establish your value system, then you kind of got to fuck with it. Meaning, do I really feel like that? Hold on a second. I don't want that to be true, right? You know, I used to, I would have this joke about, I don't know how far, how long we need to go or anyways. Well, you know, it's 11. But there's, here's an example of, the process that I went through in defining a value system for myself in one area. So I used to think that I couldn't have sex with one guy on Sunday and have sex with a different guy on Wednesday. And I wasn't happy about that. I wanted to be able to have sex with a guy on Sunday and a different guy on Wednesday, right? And I'm no obviously no uh, moral nun or anything like that. But as I got sober, what I was realizing is it made me uncomfortable. And through psychology and studying and what have you, I understand a little bit more about why that is. That has to do with a dispersion of energy and 
and maybe it is still a fucked up value system that belonged to my parents and monogamy. And, but I really had to dive into my own value system. Why can't I feel good about this and this? And the experience had to do with, okay, so, so I, I got clear on that. I can't have sex with like one guy on Sunday and another guy on Wednesday. Then I was like, well, I think I could probably uh, have sex with a guy on Sunday and then kiss a different guy on Wednesday. So I had to mess with that. And it felt uncomfortable. Then it got to, oh my God, I can't kiss a guy passionately on Sunday and have coffee with a different guy on Wednesday. And here's how I know. Because I kissed a guy passionately on Sunday, then having coffee with a different guy on Wednesday, the guy that I had kissed passionately on Sunday drove through the parking lot and waved to both of us, right? He, none of these guys know that I kissed that guy. They don't know nothing. I've done nothing wrong, right? But I felt weird. Yeah. I got to see that I felt weird. That was defining my value system. And I like what you said at one point. You said... Act like the other person is in, is the, in room. the room. Right. There's a value system. That, like, you know, if you've learned nothing else today or picked up anything, when you're behaving in a certain way, behave as the other person sitting right there. How the fuck are you going to behave? That's right. See you how know? you would behave, right. right? That's where that, and that honesty piece comes in. Remember, that that challenge that we've talked about before is like, I can't, you know, I'm having a hard time. Um, uh, there's two men in my life that I'm attracted to. There's two, uh, you know, people that I, I'm. There's two jobs that I'm looking after. There's, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to do the dance. I'm starting to do this manipulative kind of like uh, keep people on the hook, and the grass is always greener, and you know, all, all this stuff. It's all coming down to fear, and I'm. What's going to happen to me? I'm not an, I need this. I want this. I'm in bondage again. I'm actually enslaved to a thought system that there's not enough, that I'm not going to be okay. That if, if I go with this gal and, and leave this gal and this gal's going to, oh man, she's going to hate me. She might even talk shit about me in the community and how is that going to affect my reputation as some spiritual baller and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, wow, that's all fear. That's all fear. I want and then, but putting the other per you know how they always say, well, put the other persons first, and how you know in Deepak's uh, seven spiritual laws of success, it's like the choice. When I make this choice, how is this going to affect the other person? How is it going to affect myself? Mm -hmm. You know, and then both. that that's both, and we've talked about that before. Is like, you know, it, I mean, you can't go into a codependency, you know, like spin, but if it comes back to you know, I don't want to cause harm, mm -hmm. but I don't want to cause harm to myself too. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, well, I'm just going to do this for them and forget about myself. I mean, it is that you really have to look at that. The choice that I'm making, how is this going to affect other people and how is this going to affect me? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to make those hard choices, you know. I'm still a I'm, I'm, sacrifice. Uh, yeah, you know? and I'm, I'm still a big proponent, no matter how selfish it sounds. I'm still a big proponent of please secure your own oxygen mask before helping someone with theirs. And no one would say that that's selfish. But we have a, selfishness has a very bad rep in this culture, right? But if we can look at selfishness as a form of actually tending to other people, believe it or not, if you look at it as if I am bringing the best version of Samantha to this table, it can only benefit the world. And in order to bring the best version of Samantha, I better have slept well. I better have eaten well. I better have gone to yoga or done some prayer meditation. I better have done my own work, gotten my own therapist, my own guru, whatever. I need, you deserve that, David. If you're doing work with me, I should make sure I'm taking care of me. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's where I think selfishness is a virtue. Right. It, 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 you can look at it as that. If uh, selfish acts can benefit the world, if you're understanding that I am doing this with the intent that what I am giving to me bleeds over. Make sure your own house is in order. 100% I mean, that's to the what, best of our ability. That's what kind of the point is. It's like even with guys that I work with or even clients that I say, 
I don't really take calls unless it's an emergency before nine o'clock. Well, why? What are you doing? Well, taking care of me. I'm taking care of me. That's right. I, you know, I have a ritual that I get up and you know I light candles. I I read five books. I sit down and meditate for twenty minutes. I'll go for a run. I'm taking care of myself so I can be the best version when I sit down with someone else that I'm not too tired, I'm not too hungry, I'm not, you know, all this stuff. I'm doing, that's when we talk about, and I love to like keep going back to that, is doing the work. It's like, yeah, yeah but I have yeah. to answer these emails, right? Like, fuck, it's, if you don't answer that email in 40 minutes, you're going to be okay, yeah. you know? And, and so to me, it comes down to, taking time you know like what the oprah says you know and, and like in the beginning of all her super soul sundays like uh the greatest thing that you can give yourself is time mm. and taking care of yourself you know and that's what it comes down to because if if to you know if uh if my how if my house isn't in order how the fuck am i going to be any good to you right you know so that to me it comes down to you know that. pacifica where I, where i went to graduate school <clears throat> their motto is basically tending to the soul of the world. Meaning, first of all, that the world has a soul, right? right? right. Which is so Jungian, it's like everything has a soul, right? But if I'm tending to the soul of the world, then I better, you know, what kind of soul tender am I? And I better be aware of tending to my own soul because that is sort of that that trickle-down, bleed-over effect, right? And I, so I think just, you know, I don't know, you know, how far you want to go. And obviously we can yeah, do this well, another. Right, but- let's kind of do a recap of what we talked about. You know, I, I, you know, one of the biggest things is that everything that evil corroding th- thread is, is fear, mm-hmm. value systems, doing the work to get to, you know, to, it's like, what do I want? What? Well, no, I don't know what I want. Well, what do I, what, what don't I want? Mm-hmm. You know? And so. All of the shit that you heard in this last hour or so, you know, it's a process. And and to me, it's like, that's where it goes back to that instant gratification. Yeah, but I, I met it. I went on a 10-day retreat and I'm still a fucker, you know? But it's like, okay, you know, it's like, but what was the homework? Mm. You know, what's the follow-up? Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is a process. There's no For life. For life. For life. In maybe another life. Here's the way I would probably sum up the podcast for us today is, you know, in talking about relationships or quality of life, it is my responsibility to identify the areas of my life that are causing me suffering. I first have to identify what do I want? And then I acknowledge what are the barriers to me attaining that want? And how do I go about removing those barriers through numerous different forms and, and uh, you know, theoretical orientations, psychologically speaking, and you know, treatment forms and what have you. And then we talk about getting free, getting truly free. And the biggest barrier to true freedom is, is fear. And you know, you and I talked a little bit before the podcast started about the integration between the physical and the metaphysical. And what I was sort of saying is, is as long as I'm in this physical body, uh, my spiritual evolution is somewhat limited. You know what I mean? Because as long as I have longings and needs, like I have to go to the bathroom, I have to eat, I have to sleep, all these things on a very physical level get in the way of my metaphysical ballerness. You know what I mean? Um, so, but I don't want to make my, the physical a problem. Um, I want to integrate both physical and metaphysical. And in order to do that, I want to identify the areas of my life that are causing me angst. And most of the time they're fear. How do we decrease fear? We have to have a new relationship with all the things that we are afraid of, which is a whole nother podcast sometimes. But, um, and in order to do that, we need to investigate the things that are getting in the way of me living the life that I want to live. And most of the time that is fear. So there is a process to decrease fear. There is. It's going to take, you know, it, it is a conversation. It is a skill. It is a course, if you will, on how we can decrease fear. But it's not a real tasty, palatable course because ultimately what it really is going to look like to decrease fear is to say, you know, are you ready to like lean in to all your greatest fears? Well, 
one of the greatest human fears, of course, is death. It's hard to lean into that. It's, you, that's an experience. If you haven't done it, you haven't right, done it right, right. right, it's hard to have that experience. But there's certain things like, so let's learn about it. Let's study it. Let's at least see how other people, communities, cultures, belief systems identify fear. That also can bring a certain level of, if not peace, curiosity. Like, hmm, that's interesting. And then again, the only place we suffer is the mind. And so the real treatment plan is to tend to the mind. And you need teachers and gurus. You don't need them for life, yeah. but you need them to teach you the skill. Then you practice. Right. And, that's, and that's what it comes down to is the practice, the work. That's right. And, you know, the takeaway, too, for, for me today is like the self-love. Mm-hmm. You know, and that we could do a whole podcast. But that's a skill building too. Exactly. It's like, let's look at the ways. If you, if I were to tell you, if I were to die tonight and not, we could never do this again, one of the things I would tell my clients is find someone who you perceive that loves themselves and do what they do. Like really, this is just basic wax on, wax off shit. Exactly. If I want to learn a skill, I got I to gotta go to the person that seems to know that skill. Mm-hmm. If I want to build this bicep muscle, there is a particular exercise to be done repetitiously to build this muscle. That's it. Yep. Learn the exercise, then do the exercise. And 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 I read that's this. oversimplification, but yes. And we'll we'll wrap it up with this. I read this stoic thing the other day, and I think I sent it to mm-hmm. you. It was like wipe your own nose. Yeah. Do you remember that? It was like, well, if I sit here and I have a running nose, and I'm going to pray that my nose stops running. Like God or whoever in the universe says, I gave you two hands. Wipe your own fucking nose. You know, so thank you for this. And and we'll do it again. Thanks. There's a lot of shit to talk about. And I hope, you know, that it, the listeners out there have questions. You can email us and uh, maybe one day we'll, get, you know, we'll get technical enough where we can take calls and do that kind of stuff. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank all the people that are involved in making this happen. Gerald Jones for producing and engineering this podcast. He's absolutely brilliant. Follow him on Instagram at Sonia HTML. His music is amazing. Maya Grace for her hair and makeup. I know what you're saying. This is a podcast. Why do you have hair and makeup? We just want to look awesome for each other. See you next time.